You can look throughout history. And all of us, we've lived in a time where there's been crazy turmoil in a nation uh, in the United States. I mean, you could point to a time where, you know, those of you that are older, whether it's wars or whether uh, 9-11 or whatever the case, you you can think of moments in your life. You know where you were when something happened. JFK was shot. Reagan was shot and survived. I mean, whatever it was, national uh, media, I, I remember, and this is how time has changed. This is the reason I say things like, like, I don't know that we're wired for the information that we get today. People ask all the time, like, why do you think anxiety? Like, what's your personal opinion? My personal opinion is that we're not wired for the information that we have access to. Like human beings, like I don't know that we are wired to receive all of the information. I remember being in South America a long time ago, so much that it was when Princess Di was killed. And it had been like five days, had no clue, got on the plane, saw a newspaper. Now, teenagers, a newspaper is this piece of paper. Paper is made from trees, but it has pictures on it. And it's got, and if you're in this room and you've looked at a paper and at any point you've made this mistake where you looked at the paper and you went like this, anybody? (laughs) You're like, look, why is it not enlarging? It's paper. Anyway, it turns and used to get thrown out in in your driveway. It was was awesome. And I remember seeing a paper as I got on TWA Airlines to come back to the United States and seeing, yeah, TWA, I'm dating myself too. And seeing this, this tragedy that happened. We're not wired to receive all the things. And Isaiah chapter 8 starts off in this turmoil, this despair that Israel is feeling. And this invasion that is about to happen. The gloom, the darkness that is over a nation. And this is what Isaiah 8 says. It says, look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. See, they were talking about hangry people way before we were. Come on. They're hungry. They're angry. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth. But wherever they look, there will be in trouble. They will, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. There will be thrown, they will be thrown out in darkness. The mood is no doubt unlike some of the things that we've seen in our world. And this is what's happening. There is no hope. There is darkness. And Isaiah is captivating 700 years before Christ, 700 years before the mention or the birth of Christ, 700 years of just this turmoil, this mood. The Assyrians are threatening to invade. They're they're coming and bringing the people back into exile. Not just bad news, but bad news for families, bad news for economy, bad news for everything that's going on. This is what's happening. It's not just that people were hungry. It's that people were being held captive like family members being ripped out of homes like this is what's happening there is no hope yet when we get to Isaiah chapter 9 it turns the people attention away from the present to the future to what God is going to do to redeem his people you'll notice that this chapter is a celebration of hope even in the middle of turmoil They're celebrating hope. They're celebrating that there is a future. They're celebrating that things will change. You might be in this room right now and you're like, is anything ever going to get better? 
Maybe you've had a week, maybe you've had a month, maybe you've had a year or a couple years, and you're like, is it ever going to get better? This is where they're at. They're like, yes, it will get better. There is hope. Isaiah 9 jumps into it and says, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Come on, that's somebody's word right now. This will not last forever. The land of Zubalin, the land of Naphtali will be humbled But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the roads that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and his people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army at Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniform's blood stained by war will be burned and they will be fuel for the fire. Against the dark backdrop of a nation's despair and gloom, Isaiah envisions the dawning of the light of salvation which results in great joy for God's people. And God is going to bring liberation to foreign oppressors. But more than that, he's going to bring about a complete ending to war itself. He is going to do that. And he's doing that through the gift of a son. That's why the very next verse is for a child is born to us. For unto us a child is born. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And as we just sang so beautifully, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. A remarkable answer to all the problems, isn't it? A baby. The answer to the problems was a son. His answer to the bullies swaggering throughout history is not to become an even bigger bully. His answer is Jesus. His answer is a savior. His answer is to take us from darkness to light. How does he take us from darkness to light? He is a wonderful counselor. This chapter gives the prophet's first writings, talkings of Israel's coming king. I love chapter 7. It says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, I-M-M, which means from the Hebrew, which means God with us. We see it in Matthew 1 as Emmanuel, which is just a Greek writing, a Greek translation. And if you're in this room and you have a weird name, like Jamie, and your mom didn't spell it J-A-M-I-E, but she wanted to spell it J-A-M-E-Y because there's some guy on her soap opera that apparently she wanted me to name after. <laughs> if you were wondering. To constantly have to say, hey, it's J-A-M-E-Y. Or worse than that, to not even be my name anyway. For my name is really Larry James Bridges. To let the cat out of the bag and you can make fun of me all you want. I had nothing to do with it. So if you're going to make fun of someone, make fun of my mom, my dad. Let's see how you do with that, because my dad, cover your ears, kids, is Santa. (laughs) Your dad's cool, but my dad is cooler. This is where we get Emmanuel. He says, God is with us. 
But here in chapter 9, he elaborates the greater length about this child. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we want to talk about these four things the next four weeks. What does this mean, Wonderful Counselor? This is an extraordinary counselor, or perhaps a counselor of wonders. One who counsels amazing things. First and foremost, when we think of counselor, we shouldn't think of therapist. In these times, it was a strategist. It was someone with a strategy. Someone who had a plan. So when we look at wonderful counselor, we are saying like God is not just a counselor. God is a strategist. He has a plan for your life. You think you're an accident. You may have been told you're an accident. You may have been told you were never thought of. God says, I thought of you. I have a strategy for your life. This is what counselor means. You think counseling, and we kind of culturally, we go, oh, he needs counseling. Negative stigmatization, right? Like something must have happened. If I'm being honest, we all need counseling. Come on. This is is a military term. A strategist was needed to win a war. You know why I don't win wars? Because I don't ask the counselor. You know why I don't have a strategy sometimes for my life or a plan for my life? Because I'm trying to make it. I'm calling on the wonderful counselor because he has a plan for my life. And it's not just counselor, it's wonderful counselor, which is where we get the word wow. He's a wonderful counselor because there's an amazing wowing about what he does. If I'm not wowed by what God is doing on the earth, I need to check my wow meter. If I'm not amazed at the miraculous things, if I'm saying things like, man, I wish God would do what he did back in the days. If I'm reading my Bible and go, man, I wish it was like this now. If I'm not amazed by what God can do, who he is, that he sent his son so that I can be forgiven. If I'm not wowed by that, we're missing the point. we got to check ourselves. This is why we got to evaluate ourselves. Because we should be blown away by what God is doing on the earth. When someone comes and says, man, what is God doing in your life? I should be able to say it because I'm, I'm in tune. I'm in relationship with him. So if I'm not wowed, this should be an indicator that I'm just consulting a counselor. Or I'm the counselor, but I'm not going to the wonderful counselor. Why? Because he's got a strategy for your life. He reveals so much that it should blow our minds that God loves us so much. Like when I look in the mirror and I see the flaws and I see the aging and I see the, the, who I am and the things that I've done, I shouldn't sulk in that. I should be more amazed at what, who God is. That despite me, Despite what I've done, he still has a strategy for my life. He still has a plan for my life. So let's chat about this wonderful counselor. The wonderful counselor knows what you need before you even ask it. I've counseled people. I've been to a counselor. And for a long period of time when you're counseling, you're trying to kind of dig deep. Like, what what do I need to know? Right? Right? He knows before you even ask. The wonderful counselor knows. He has knowledge of of what he needs to do to advise. You know what he wants to hear? He just wants to hear you. 
Because he knows you. And we know this because Psalms tells us this. You, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Come on, somebody. There's times you need to look at your kids and be like, my God, he made you so wonderfully complex. You know what I mean? Like, my kid's not weird. He's just wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. He knows you. Another translation says he knows how many hairs are on the top of your head or aren't. No. He knows not just you. He knows your sins. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your history. He knows all about you. There's no getting to know one another. Just go to the counselor. He knows you already. That's why it's funny when we try to hide things. Like, what are we doing? It's like the government. They're always watching. Oh, sorry. (laughs) What's he know? He knows our past. He knows what we've done. He knows everything about you. He knows the hurt. He knows the pain. He knows the things that you've suffered. He knows the things that you won't tell anybody. He knows them. He knows your present. He knows times that my smile is fake. He knows it because I'm trying to pretend that my present's okay even when it's not okay. He doesn't just know my past. He doesn't just know my present. He knows my future. When I'm uncertain about how things are going to go, God says, I still know your future. This was the good news to Israel because their current situation was bad. And years later, it was going to get worse. He knew their current situation. It wasn't that they had a celebration of what was happening right then. They were celebrating that there was a hope for the future. They're celebrating that this isn't the end. That this is not what it's all about. That that this too shall pass. That God's got this. That it's bigger than what we're currently experiencing. That God can use what is happening to you to totally change and totally strategize and move things around. Why? Because that's how much God loves us. Like they're celebrating not because... Like, I think, like, in culture, we celebrate when we win. They were celebrating that they were going to win. Understand? Like, they were going, like, I know right now this is hard, but I know how this thing ends. I know what Revelation says. Not only that, not only does he know you, this is, this is the most beautiful part for me. Not only does he know you. He still wants to help. Like, have you ever been around someone who got to know you and didn't want to be with you anymore? Nervous laughter. Right? It's like, should I say yes to that? Seriously. You've, you've, maybe you've hung out with someone who's like, oh, after I got to know them, I think I'm good. This is the most beautiful part. He knows my past. He knows my present. He knows my future. And he still wants to help. Simon Peter, 
answered him in John 6, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. He didn't say that when someone was just healed. He said that when he said, guys, I'm going to go die on a cross. My body is going to be broken for you. Blood is going to be poured out. But guys, it's part of God's plan. It's the plan for salvation. It's part of it. And he's like, people just started departing like crazy. They're like, this is weird. And he turns to them and says, you guys going to leave me too? And this is when Peter says, where would we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Why? Because God, God wants to help us and those who know him testify of him. Like Because you know him, this is what Peter was saying. Where would we go? You're it. I can only testify of what I've seen. And because I can testify, like where would we go? I'm testifying. I'm willing to lay down my life because of who you are. Those who know him will testify. They're not ashamed of him. Like there's gauges and meters that all of us in this room, we have to measure. Not from a guilt place, not from a a condemning place. God didn't come to condemn you. That's not why he came. Not from that place, from a place of evaluation, a place of growth, a place of, yes, you're going to have to hear some bad news. Here's the bad news. You're no longer wowed. You're no longer engaged with who Christ is because people have done things to you. You're bitter. You're angry. And us not talking about it is not getting you back to wowing. Failure to talk about it. Failure to pretending like it never happened isn't going to help you. This is why the wonderful counselor is so important. This is why it's first. Because if I don't understand him as wonderful counselor, I'll never see him as mighty God. I'll never see him as everlasting father. I'll never experience his peace, which is what Philippians 4 is saying. Philippians 4 says that. You want peace that passes understanding? There's things that have to happen before we get to that place. Ignoring and pretending that you're okay, I would say it's the worst place you can be. You're denying what everybody else already knows. Here's the best news right here. Those who don't know him are invited to do so. That is who the wonderful counselor is. You don't know him, The invitation is always there. It's the reason in Matthew 11, he says, come to me. He doesn't say, come to me if you're good. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. Hear him. He didn't say, take your own yoke. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble. Like, if you're going to a counselor, gentle and humble is pretty good. Yeah? And you will find rest for your souls. Jesus calls us to come to him because he longs. There's bad news, you guys. Those who have turned away from him, they'll regret their decision. Here's what I want you to hear in this moment right now. There is an urgency in the hour right now. And here's the urgency. 
The urgency is our world is not getting less crazy. Okay? Can we agree on that? Okay? Can we agree on it's crazy times? All right? It's not going to get less crazy. So if you're that person who's like, ooh, pray, you know, ooh, fingers crossed, like, it's not happening. It's going to get crazy. The urgency of the hour is you and I today, December the 4th, 2022, have an opportunity to get things right. And the urgency of the hour is the longer we delay that, the more hard our hearts get. The longer we delay that opportunity in front of us, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to scare the hell out of you, but I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there should be a level of awe and fear, not fear of, like, anxiety and cultural, but fear of, like, who the Lord is. Fear of the Lord is actually the beginning of wisdom. Okay, that's what the Bible says. So it's, there should be this fear of, like, God, I'm unworthy, yet you still love me. God, you know me, and yet you still love me. God, I've turned my back on you, and while there's still time, your invitation is here. But there will be a moment where that invitation is gone. Okay? And I can't tell you when, which is why I feel like there's an urgency. The urgency is, I can't tell you when, so I would make sure it's today. You know what I mean? Because this is what he says in Isaiah 48. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commands. Your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. He's saying, like, hey, it's not that you can't have peace like a river. It's, can't, it's not that you can't walk in righteousness. It's more of the fact that you didn't pay attention. It's more in the fact that you stiff-armed. More in the fact that you walked away. More in the fact that you chose numbness over your heart being softened. It's more in the fact that I chose pride instead of humility. This is what the wonderful counselor is saying. But make no mistake, he's, he's available. Okay, have, have you ever tried to get into a counselor? It's like, yeah, I can get you in. You know, May of 2023. Like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be better by then. That's great. Thanks for that. I'm not dissing counselors. I'm I'm dissing all of our availability. Okay, and and, oh, I'm going to say this so kindly about myself. Like, mm, so many of you say this to me, so I'm I'm about to just offend a blanket of you. And I, I understand that how do I word this without going viral? Anyway, so uh, um, I, this, is, this, is, this is priority, absolutely, okay? But don't lead with a conversation with me. Hey, I know you're busy, so I didn't come to you with this. Like, don't lead with that. That makes me feel like I'm too busy for you. Now, on the other side, you can come to me and say, I know you're busy, but... You're giving me the opportunity to go, I can't do that. i got to say no to you. Which we're hitting on something that might be hard for both of us. Me saying no. And you approaching someone. My first question back to you is, before you talk to a counselor, have you talked to the wonderful counselor? Counselors are incredible. But have you talked to the wonderful counselor first? Why? Because he's available. He's available in quick three easy things. 
A, he's available to save, he's available to forgive, and he's available to give you peace. Right now. Like, no appointment needed. He's available right now to save you, to forgive you, and to give you peace. Like, you don't have to wait in the waiting room. He's available right now. That is his promise to us as the wonderful counselor. He is available. That does not mean that your circumstance changed. That does not mean that your kids are no longer hellions. That does not mean that everything at work fell in line. It does not mean that all of a sudden your husband looks good. Okay, let's call it what it is. It does not mean that now that you're saved, now that you're forgiven, your wife is going to treat you the way you need to be treated. It does not mean that. It means how you view those circumstances have now changed. Okay? This is peace despite circumstances. That is happiness. God is looking for something deeper called joy. I can make you happy right now. I can write you a check. You're going to be happy. Based on a circumstance that I just gave you money or a donut. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? That does not mean you have joy. Joy is despite my circumstances, I still have joy. Joy cannot be taken away. Peter said, what could you do to me? Could you take away my body? Could you, could you take away this mortal body? You cannot take my soul. And because of that, you cannot do anything that will take my joy. That's getting to a place where you understand that God is the wonderful counselor. That's getting to a place where peace that passes understanding. That's getting to a place that nothing on earth can steal your joy. It's an incredible place. It's an incredible place. And you guys, this is, where, this is the aim. I don't know that we've arrived. It's a very difficult place. And ultimately... The wonderful counselor paid the price for your salvation with his blood. Because there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be a crown of thorns. There had to be nails. There had to be a death. And instead of it being you and me, he said, I'll take your place. And that's why we have access to forgiveness. That's why you and I could be set free. Because of what he did. I read a story about a woman who was rushed at the Christmas time. And she purchased 50 greeting cards without even looking at the message and signed. She signed it, addressed it, all but one. And then dropped them in the mailbox, still not thinking, taking time to see what the card inside said. And the verse on the inside was completely overlooked. You ever been that busy? Just imagine her dismay when a few days later she glanced at the one that she didn't mail. And it says, this card is just to say, a little gift is on the way. <laughs> that is the story of Isaiah. The story of Isaiah is, this writing is just to say, the gift of Jesus is on the way. You will not live in despair any longer. There is hope. And the wonderful counselor is available to you. 
the wonderful counselor, he's got your back. You know why? Because he knows you. He knows the secrets that you would be mortified if someone found out. He knows them. He knows them. He knows your thoughts, and he still loves you. That's why he's the wonderful counselor. That's why he's the hope. This past weekend, or past week, We, did, we do staff meetings every Wednesday and a different staff person does them. And, and this past week, Jody, when Jody does staff meetings, it's like next level. She gets crafty and takes us to another room and there's candles. And, you know, I mean, it's like, I mean, she puts us all, you know what I'm saying. If you know Jody, you know. You know what I mean? And she had us just sit quiet and dwell on Colossians chapter 1. And she had us dwell on 15 through 20, but as I was just reading Colossians 1 after the fact, I looked at verse 9 and it says this. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have a great endurance, come on somebody, and patience. Yes. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of of the Son he loves. In whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. Is the prayer that I pray over my family. It is the prayer I pray over this congregation that you may know God's will, that you will live a life worthy of the Lord, bearing fruits and, and growing in knowledge, that we would be matured and strengthened and faithful and endure because there's going to be things that come our way that are going to throw us and it's going to be a wrench in the plan and we're going to say things like, I didn't plan on this happening. But despite those things, God says, I I still have joy. I still have a strategy. I still have a plan. I'm not done with you yet. They would be strengthened with God's power so that they could endure that either that we would be joyful, giving God thanks for all that he has done. Guys, this is my prayer for us. As we look to the wonderful counselor, as we look to the one that loves us where we are, as we look to the one who has a strategy for your life, and it is a plan, why? Because he knits you, he knows you, and despite what you've done, he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't just want to say, hey, I know all this stuff, look how good I am. He says, I know all this stuff, and I want to show it to you. I want to show it to you. Would you stand right now? We're going to sing a song. It's not a Christmas song. It's a song that I wanted us to sing. And we've sung it before. It's called Faith and Wonder. And here's my prayer in singing this song. My prayer is that no matter where you are, 
no matter what is happening right now in your life, no matter what you've done, my prayer that you would be full of the faith in Jesus Christ and the wonder of what he's done. Take a moment right now and just look around. Just look around at the the men and women that are in this room. Every single one of them have an incredible story. And every single one of them, God has a strategy for their life. From the young to the old, God says, I still have a plan for your life. And it's to do incredible things. And you might have been told your whole life, your whole life, that you weren't planned, that you were an accident. God says, that is a lie from the pit of hell. He has a plan. You are not an accident. He has a strategy for you, and he wants to do great and mighty things in your life. Would you give it to him today? Would you say yes to Jesus? Would you affirm that you want a relationship with Jesus this day, December the 4th? I'm a numbers guy, not a math guy, not a geometry guy, definitely not an algebra guy. I'm a math guy. I mean, I'm a numbers guy in the sense that I love, like I just, I remember weird things, okay? I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about numbers, but there's mile markers in the Bible where people, God has done something and you remember it for the rest of your life. And there are moments. And so this morning even, when I'm going, God, December 4th, 2022, I pray that this would be a marker, a mile marker. Now, December 4th for me personally is 30 years ago. I took that girl out on a date. So I remember December 4th for the very first time. She said yes. After months of begging, she was doing the begging. I said yes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But my prayer this morning was, God, I pray that December 4th, 2022 would be a mile marker for people that they would say, today is the day. Today is the day that I said yes to the wonderful counselor. Yes to the wonderful counselor. Would you bow your heads with me? God, thank you. God, your word says that today is the day of salvation. Your word says that you order our steps you're not an accidental God. You're not a God who, who does things out of order. You are a God of order. You are a God that loves us. And you are a God that has a strategy for our lives. So if there's a person in this room that's like, why am I even here? God, you've orchestrated this moment. If you're in this room and you just say, hey, listen, there's some things out of order in my life. And today I just want to say yes to the wonderful counselor. You're just saying yes to a relationship with Jesus. You're just saying, I want to start this process of having a relationship with him. I agree with the things. Something happened in my heart while the Bible was being read, and I just want to say yes to that. If you're in this room, can you just lift a hand? This is you just saying, I acknowledge that. I agree with that. Something has happened in my heart, and I'm saying yes right now. Well, just keep those hands up. Just keep those hands up. God, thank you. God for salvation. Thank you for the way you love us. Thank you that despite our past, despite how we're living right now, you still have an invitation for us. And so Lord, I pray for every person with a hand lifted, every person that says, I want to follow Jesus. 
God, I pray your strength right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.